Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. Want to learn a new language? And who doesn't? Well, experience immersive lessons from the most trusted language app, Rosetta Stone. You know you keep telling yourself you want to learn a new language. The true accent feature even gives feedback on your pronunciation so you can speak the language like a native. Find lessons as short as 10 minutes, making it easy for you to learn anytime, anywhere. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to StarTalk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. StarTalk begins right now. This is StarTalk Radio. Your personal astrophysicist. And I am director in my day job of the Hayden Planetarium at the American Museum of Natural History. In studio with me is the one, the only, the inimitable Chuck Nice. Oh, yes. Chucky Baby. Hey. Chuck Nice comic. That's right. Yes. You know who's, I've got clips of an interview I conducted with, guess who? Sir David Attenborough. Wow. Sir, he's one of the great communicators of our time. A legendary. And he's like hosted all these science documentaries. I think many people, he is their conduit. To to science, absolutely. And 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 given his his history as a TV host and as a naturalist and as a, a science educator, I, you were not sufficient alone to help me with this show. Won't be the Chuck. first time I heard that. <laughs> Chuck, I, so I looked around and I found me some. Uh, he's my. I call him Sir. I don't know if the Queen ever had anything to say about it. Sir William Nye, Bill Nye. Thanks for being on Star Talk. Thank Radio. you for having me. He's Ed. So Bill, you know. So Neil. Wait. David Attenborough, dude. He's the he's dude. It. That's the man. Except I guess it's dude. <laughs> is, that, is that dude with a British accent? Yeah. <laughs> Just, yes. But definitely uh, known as the great communicator. Yes. Peerless educator. He's every everyone wants him to be their, gra- their grandfather. Well, greatest Absolutely. broadcaster of our time. So it's been said. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the cool thing about this show is that uh, if I might, just. Uh, Wet your buttocks with my lips for a second. That is nasty. What, what, <laughs> where, why, where are we going with this? <laughs> okay, go on. But I am sitting in a room. Uh, we have Sarah David Attenborough on the show, and I'm sitting in a room with two of the greatest science educators of our time, both of you in your own right, uh, ambassadors of science for the entire globe. That's pretty impressive. Chuck, I would have had you on the show e- anyway. Wow. Right? <laughs> you got the Chuck. job. Chuck, <laughs> Chuck, you're fabulous. <laughs> Even without that. <laughs> thank you. Chuck, well, thank you. Thank. Well, let's see. Well, maybe we'll have a, 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 a science educator uh, dance-off or something. That sounds out. good. <laughs> Cage match. Let's find out where where Sir Dave, David Attenborough can take us. Let's start off. You don't look 87, sir. <laughs> Sometimes feel it. <laughs> so is it because you run around the world that what keeps you young? I mean, if we're being serious, it's luck, isn't it? Well, it's, yeah, the luck I of the think, genes. I can think of, well, very close friends of mine or relations of mine who got the same sort of genes, and they can't get about at all. <laughs> Watching you run around the world, you get down with the animals and the plants, and you're crawling on the ground, and you're rowing boats, and... So you're not just a detached observer of nature, you're a participant. Less participatory than I was, but I mean, yeah, I still, yeah, I can pat a rhinoceros on a good day. <laughs> What's a spunky yeah, guy? I can pat a rhinoceros on a good day. You know, when I'm 87, I just hope I'm alive. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to break 30,000 days if you do that. That's a mark for me. <laughs> what? Uh, 30,000 days. 82 in seven weeks. 
there's 30,000 days. Yeah. And you, you, and you know this why? It's one of my themes about how li- short life is. And you have to do your best to, to live well. And we got to admire David Attenborough in that regard. Okay, so Bill, people love you. No doubt about that. They love them some Bill Nye. But they also love them some David Attenborough. So you want to want to find out why? Let, 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 I say bring it on. Br- bring it on. Let's find out. I spent five weeks in the UK. We were filmmaking there, and people couldn't stop talking about you. Everyone I met on my crew, they all wanted you to be their grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> you were the grandpa they always uh, wanted or never had. Oh, uh, well. And that's got to be a greater title than sir. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want that one. Really. <laughs> How do you react when people just want to adopt you? There's enough for you to go around. Come on, you have such a huge... Yeah, no, I mean, people are very nice. I was so terribly polite and British of him, wasn't it? I think that's how they roll. Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly it. Exactly how they roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So And very modest. He's been knighted, which is, I, my understanding, is a big deal over there. Yeah. And I say over there in so, the world. So, Bill, what does, it take, what does it take to be loved? Well, I think you're talking about science education. Yes. <laughs> I say it takes passion. You have to mm-hmm. you have to really want people to uh, get excited about it. You yourself, Doctor T. No, but I'm just talking about the universe, and people come to that. I, I don't. I'm not really. But you know that feeling. To, I know. Yeah, you but, know that feeling. Do you realize the sun is a star? You want to grab people by the collar. Yes, right? that's, that's what I've done a couple go, of times. And say, hey, look. Then they at call this. the police. <laughs> and so, David Attenborough is uh, has the same passion, but he is from a different culture, and what he does is subtly. Under, in understated fashion. But you also have to be a storyteller. That's what I mean. He widens out, and there's the rhinoceros that he's patting on the on the, on the, on the, on the, on the nose, nose, on the right. horn. On the horn. We just pictured that as he said it. Just as easy enough. Yeah, we didn't have to try to think that. It was there in front of us as the words came off his tongue. So it's, uh, I think it's your passion. What I always say all the time, what is it about your favorite teacher that you liked or loved? Hmm. And it was that he or she was passionate about it and wanted you to do well. The that teacher wanted you to do well because he cared or she cared about you. So he's not just a media guy because he studied geology and zoology at University of Cambridge. And I hear that's a good school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dar- um, Darwin, I think, went there as well, right? <laughs> and, he's got, and he's collected 32 honorary degrees from British University. Yeah, but they don't really count because <laughs> you didn't go there. You didn't attend. They don't really count. I heard a rebuttal to that once. I'll tell you later. Okay. It's a really well, good means rebuttal. they care about you. Okay. No, but yeah, it's more than that. I, I'll tell you about that in a minute. All right. And so, uh, Bill, can you see any cultural differences between how you might try to communicate in the UK with the, with the United States? You've been around the world. No, no, it's exactly the same. Is Are you it, kidding? Except yeah. I'm just asking. No, it's uh, well, we all play the hand we're dealt. So I feel that if you're a British guy, you present your art in a British fashion, mm-hmm. that understated fashion. If you're an American guy. You wave your arms and jump around. You go over the top. That's the way we roll. We need explosions. But what the key to it is. <laughs> We're American. Yeah, but that means if you go to the UK, you look like some ape that just dropped out no, of the no, sky. No, no, I look like a guy from the US. Ah, and you also oh, just look- a US guy. But yeah, you know yeah. what? That the passion is what does it. That's what I'm saying. So and they so- see it. They see the passion. And they, and they feel they, it. Then oh, they feel I, I, I'm going to wrap this up here. I'm going to tie it together. Okay. The thing is, you want to be authentic. You okay. want when the viewer looks at you, you want him or her to feel that you care about him or her, that you're looking right at him, that you I'm trying to engage you, and that's what uh, I feel that when I see him on TV, and and this is what when you're doing your cosmosical thing, and uh, Carl Sagan, this is you feel this guy wants you wants to engage you, you feel, and it. he's authentic. So Carl Sagan's from the U.S., from New York, very well educated, enormous vocabulary. Uncle Bill is from somewhere in the U.S. And he uses some slang words, and he'll say, now, right now, which is a meaningful thing, but maybe he's not the best grammar, for example. <laughs> but you know that he cares about it. Okay, you get a B minus so in grammar it. and an A plus in everything else. There. God, you give me an A plus from <laughs> Neil Tyson? In Check everything me out, Chuck. else. <laughs> so, so what I'm curious about, it, it, Chuck was around in another show where we talked about the culture of science. And yes. in England, they have a, in the UK, they have a culture of naturalism. All of these folks who would, part of the British Empire, wherever they went, they had people writing about what they saw, what collecting they felt, specimens. Co- collecting specimens. Darwin's on their pound note. I guess it's five pound note. 
Uh, Darwin. Yeah, it's not on the one pound note. That yeah, was uh, my man, use... Isaac Newton. But they don't even make the, the pound note yeah. anymore. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, they have don't... a pound coin, but it's not a note. So let's find out. Just I wanted to get a sense of the legacy that he he came is David out Attenborough, of. not yeah. Isaac Newton. Right. Check it out. Here in America, we, when we learn about sort of British scientists, often the 19th century rises up as the great period of the British naturalist, mm-hmm. and now we see you as sort of. Dare I say, carrying on that tradition? Well, Am I allowed to say that? No, no, you're not really. I mean, I'm not in that league. Uh-huh. I'm not a professional scientist. I mean, mm-hmm. I was educated as a scientist, so I try and keep up. But I'm essentially a television filmmaker. But can I say that this legacy of British naturalism has influenced what you chose as a life work? Is that fair to say? It's I, I, would, I would have thought and no more different here. I mean, I'm sure that people here, kids here, are influenced by reading Darwin and Darwin's account of the history of life on Earth, uh, just as they are in the UK. Yeah, but we don't have the legacy of our own doing this sort of thing. So I'm just curious. Well, I'll tell you, people sometimes say to me, well, what was the greatest influence? When, what book did your influence mm-hmm. by? And my answer is... Ernest Thompson Seton. Do you know who Ernest no, Thompson is? No, no. Well, is he an American? Well, he's a North American. He's a Canadian, if you'll allow that. <laughs> but he is. He wrote a series of books about 1910 called Tales of the Wild and Hunters and Hunted. And, mm-hmm. and it's about caribou and wolves. and a North uh, American mammal. He was a ranger on the Canadian Prairie. Okay, all right, all right. And he wrote the most marvelous book by right. Canadian than, than I was before I got on to Darwin. So a little bit of North America helped you there. Yeah, oh, certainly. Well, certainly, well, certainly. Taking some credit for you then. <laughs> you know what's weird? It just occurred to me listening to that. He is who we all imitate when we want, when we want to imitate a high educated a high British person. Educated British. Yes, we said, uh, yeah, look here. He's, his his uh, pictures in the audio book. In the right? audio, right. His recordings in the audio book. <laughs> yeah, the exactly. audio dictionary. That's what I'm going <laughs> that for. Is the, that is the accent. Yes, but it's yes. not, it's just how he speaks. Yes, indeed. Indeed it is. <laughs> <laughs> And so we. It was a Canadian, if I may say. No, so, yeah, no, pretty good shot. That, North American. North American. No, no, no. North American. And but uh, he's he's referring to the guy because if it was Canadian, he'd be sorry. He'd be so sorry. sorry. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So what intrigues me, getting back to this cultural difference between how we bring science to the public, how we bring anything to the public. Uh, one thing I noticed was. In the United States, of course, we don't show humans mating unless it's triple X and you can't see it. We don't even show other animals mating. Yes. But I turned on British TV one time and there was some... They were, action. There was some action. Some bouncing a wow. He's still, <laughs> he's still a little... He's still, he's still on his mind. Exactly. <laughs> it really made an impression. Bum chicka wow. That's what it is. That's baby. 1970s porn soundtrack. I. That's the only porn that I have is 70s porn. I don't... I don't have a very the good internet connection. The, the principles are the same. This is true. Yes, we are evolving, but not quite that fast. You'll see a lot of the same interactions. Right. Can we say interactions? On the yeah, radio? interactions are good. So I had to ask him, what, what, is, what accounts for this? Let's, let's see his analysis of this. You know, we have some prudish people here in America. We are not as prone to show mating animals as show up in so many of your your works. Are the Brits just a little more tolerant of that sort of thing? Never had any problems. No, yeah, okay. No. Uh, and actually, of course, it only people only have any problems when that's occurred amongst mammals. I mean, the rest <laughs> of the population and so on is of, is of no consequence. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. When worms mate, no one cares. <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, actually, the most, sensual, the most sensual reproductive sequence I've ever shot is between slugs. Have you ever seen slug mation? No, I'm sorry. I, well, missed, are, I must have missed whole, out on that one. There are a great number of different species of slugs, but there's a certain particular slug which produces a, a rope of mucus and hangs down and dangles. And, in fact, of course, the things about slugs, as you probably know, is that they are both male and female in the same animal. Oh. But In astrophysics, we never learn that. You yeah. don't? <laughs> Boy, they're missing out something on Andromeda 4 now, if they don't know about that. By the end of just slugs, you see, the male part of one slug finds the female part of another, and vice versa. Oh, yeah. but the, so it's a but the contortions love. and the dance in which they do, which is in a theory called life in the undergrowth, mm-hmm. is is as sensual as you can probably take. <laughs> Who would have thought? Well, that's right, and a lot of people in wrote in and said exactly that. <laughs> Who would have thought? And no salt allowed at that no, party. That's dead right. <laughs> Man. Oh, my. 
I just love that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's the understatement that we Americans find so Indeed. charming. Well, plus, Chuck got turned on by that description of mating slug. Well, how could you not with that accent? You know what I mean? I'm just Because <laughs> you know it. there's something going on. Hey, you he's know there's something. You. He's not just like, here we are witnessing the uh, fecundity <laughs> so of uh, the <laughs> Indian Ocean sea slug. And uh, believe it or not, you're actually witnessing a terrible rogering right now. You know, it's, it's very exciting. So it's, I wonder if it's possible to know too much about what's going on with the, in the animal. Kingdom. I don't think so. That's evolution. The more we know about how everybody does it, the more we're going to know. Well, you know, he's got a new six-part series. Are you embarrassed on- by slug sex? Is that what I'm getting from you? You're a little I, put I, off. I got. I blushed a little when I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a little so slug sex. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. That's how you make more slugs. Yeah. So that, so and if they if they got into a brawl, it would be a slug fest. Yeah. No. <laughs> Nice. They, I'm sure they do get into brawls. There's got to be somebody. I thought it was funnier than that. Like, I didn't get like rip-roarious laughs from that Chuck, comment. It was. was it was funny. Yeah, okay. So right. that's how. That's <laughs> how the <laughs> experience. Yeah, it was funny. The comedian cross. Yeah. Okay. Neil, yeah, that it was, was funny. funny. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Yeah. That's. Uh, I've never laughed. Uh, so he's got a new series on B- on BBC One. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say that with a British accent. Chuck. A BBC One. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Nicely Chuck. done. We'll, tur- we'll turn to Chuck for this. Uh, a new six-part series called Life Story, and it began earlier in the fall. And uh, the guy's he's not he's unstoppable. It's just he's un- passionate. That's that, what that, he's that's what is. P- passion to the sh- you to the live off the passion. So now now I'm thinking everyone on this show except me has a tremendous educational TV presence. I gotta teach somebody something. Okay, <laughs> so it's passion, people, and the beauty and joy. PB and J. I heard Science. that from someone one time. Yeah. So you know, his whole life he's been making films about life on Earth. His whole life. Okay. And I Name had to ask time. him: Is he like? Is he going to do? Is that how? Is that how he rolls? Let's find out. Your filmography is huge. I don't need to repeat that here. Everyone knows it. But what intrigues me about it is, it is spans the entire breadth of life on Earth. It's not just mammals, as we all favor in zoos and things. It's not just birds, as bird collectors would. Uh, it's insects. It's plants. Uh, here's one. Have you done one on fungi? Uh, I mentioned, yeah. Yeah, because we didn't, um, as you were rightly infer, plants are not fungi are not plants. Right, they're, they're a different not. kingdom altogether. Uh-huh. But actually, there's only one single subject we're covering, and that's the history of life. But in fact, it's the history, why they appeared in the order they did, why they changed into the way they did. That's an important sociocultural observation because we look around the world and we say, this is one kind of life, that's another kind of life, here's one kind of plant. And what you're saying is, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if we take a step back, put it all together and say, this is life on Earth and we're part of that system, that's a whole other outlook. Well, that's what I've been trying to do all my life, really. Do you think you've succeeded? That's for others to say. I mean, uh, you can chronicle the, uh, you, the history of life in a surprisingly uh, detailed way in quite a short period. Uh, you know, that life starts in the deep sea and, and, and it leads to different kinds of invertebrates and shells and crustaceans and shrimps and so on. Wait. But then there are fish with backbones and fish with backbones emerge onto land and become amphibians with wet skins and amphibians with wet skins get dry skins and become reptiles and some of the reptiles turn their scaly skins into feathers and become birds, and the others turn them into hairs and become mammals. This is biology 101 in in 30 seconds. But that's what the history is, Mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. you can put as much or as little detail on that skeleton as you like. And you have put great detail on it. Well, I mean, it's, that's the that's the essence of evolution by natural selection right there. There it is. And in the next segment, that's what we're going to focus on. And I heard that Bill did some writing on this recently. I did. <laughs> jot some things down. Not jot some things down. <laughs> no, it's exciting. And uh, David Attenborough was part of that for me. You know, the, the, this book that I hope we're going to discuss shortly uh, is a result of the stories that I've heard my whole life having to do with Life science, biology, how we all got here. It answers that, it addresses that deep question. How, how did we, we all get, get here? here? You have answers to that question. Yeah. Maybe. Or, is yeah. that why the book is on the bestseller list? It is to be hoped. That is a cause and effect. <laughs> when we cool. come back, more of my interview with David Attenborough, Sir David, when we return.
Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When Freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest-cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. Star Talk Radio. We're back. Tyson Chuck Nice across the table from me. Yes, I am. In our radio studio. And to my right, Sir William Bill Nye. Bill, thanks for being on. We're featuring my interview with Sir David Attenborough when he visited New York and he gave a public talk at the American Museum of Natural History. And that's when I snared him for my Star Talk interview. And it was all about sort of evolution and the, and the, the beauties and glories of nature. Mm, yes. And in that time, since I made that recording with him, you went away, wrote a book, got it published, and debuted as number eight on the New York Times bestseller list. That's out of control. Which is now its natural habitat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's all about evolution. Undeniable. But it sounds like you're not talking about evolution. You're, trying, you're sticking that in somebody's face, it sounds like. Well, this is based on this debate that I did in Kentucky with a guy who insists that the earth, or seems to believe that the earth is 6,000 years Ken old. Ham. Ken Ham. Ken Ham. I call it Ham on Nye debate. Ham on Nye. And, uh, Bill doesn't like it when I say that. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought it'd be Nye on Ham. That's all. No, no, but there is no such sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, there could be. That would be an inside-out sandwich. You may have started That's something. That's a wrap. Okay. That's a wrap. The thing is uh, that it's very important for all of us, in my opinion, to understand the basic idea in all of life science, the basic idea in biology, and that is evolution. That is the natural history of life on Earth. That's why we named a museum after it, for crying out loud. Now, allow me to say that uh, Bill's book is not just any other book on evolution. There's tons of them, but he is the science guy, TSG, and he knows how to... I'm talking to Chuck now, not to you, Bill. Uh, so he, he's the, the book is a breezy, anecdotal... And the content is real. And you finished reading the book, and it was though Bill was just sitting right next to you, and you were just drinking a beer with him. So are you saying that Bill is an extremely effective communicator? Uh, yeah, I guess that I was saying that in another way. <laughs> yes, I could have taken less time. He was like a really good getter-acrosser of thingsers. Yeah. And so uh, that's if you wanted to have things across. <laughs> thank you, Neil. Seriously, thank yeah, you. Yeah, and I'm going to read my blurb that's on the cover, right? Oh, look at With that. With his charming, breezy narrative style, Bill empowers the reader to see the natural world as it is, not as some would wish it to be. He does it right, and as I expected, he does it best. Ooh. I love you, Neil. I love you, brother Neil. Bill. Bill. So you can't know about evolution unless you look around nature and like collect stuff yes yeah darwin collected stuff collected that's the thing you got to respect you got to collect and then you theory and the evidence in one book and then you observe it and then you draw your conclusion yes based on it so i want to find out if uh sir david attenborough uh just did he collect i just wondered did he was he one of these this subspecies of human who collects stuff let's find out uh you collect stuff as a kid 
Yeah, fossils we, mostly. Fossil? Yeah, yeah, well, wait a minute. You're in the UK. How, you don't just stumble on yes, fossils. Yes, you don't realize. We don't have buffaloes. No. We don't have rattlesnakes. No. We don't have all these lovely things you've got. According to the Midwest here yeah. in the United States. Yeah. So where did you get your fossils? In Britain. I live in the middle of Britain in a city called Leicester. And it has uh, rocks of the Jurassic period, uh, which are full of ammonites and uh, shark teeth. And uh, Okay, ammonites. you also have to know what you're looking for. Anyone else will walk by it and no, just... No, no. If you see a lovely coiled shell in, in the middle of a block of rock in the middle of England, and you think, how on earth is there going to be a shell that's obviously come from the deep sea? Well, you think that. Most people don't even pause. Well, I mean, they pause. They say, and oh, yes. They, I mean, in past times, they said, well, of course, those were put there by the, by the saints. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, there was mm-hmm. a saint here who was at that place was infested with snakes, and she decided to rid the people of the snakes and turn them into these things, which are ammonites, but they believed them. They were called snake stones until the 19th century. That was an and account. Used, and used, used as uh, uh, charms to cure disease. Do you collect stuff as an adult? <laughs> I collect anything you could think of. Bus tickets, almost anything you want. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting psychologists, phenomenon. An interesting psych- phenomenon. Psychologists have words for people who collect everything. Well, well, no, 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 as long as they do it legally, they don't go, it's okay. No, but, but quite seriously, collecting is a very m- maligned um, subject. The fact is that if you collect things, you learn about taxonomy. You learn about cataloging. You learn about what, why an animal is related to another animal and what the difference between they are and which are different species. And you learn an awful lot. And it's not an accident that, you know, the greatest naturalist who ever lived, Charles Darwin, was besotted with beetles. He collected beetles, thousands of beetles. <laughs> Do you know how many species of beetles are? I, 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 only, I don't even want to know. Okay, how many? So I, I don't know. <laughs> but I, but, but it's, it's something like 100,000. Yeah, uh-huh. 100,000 beetles. Just, just kinds of beetles. Yeah, different species of beetle. Mm. Mm. And, and, and that led people to think, why? Uh, and some people would say because the good Lord decided he wanted three Good Lord likes people. beetles. Yes. Better right. than he likes humans, actually. That's, you got to explain right. that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, and, um, and it set Darwin wondering as to why there were so many beetles. Mm-hmm. And he came up with a quite an important theory. What was that? According to uh, evolution by natural selection. Well, there it is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, he's got it. He's got it. So, Bill, did you collect stuff as a kid? Yeah. What'd you collect? Rocks. And then uh, in ninth grade, we were compelled to get an insect collection. Really? Ah. I can still give you order and family of a lot of insects. Mm. And you can see evolution, you know, from your orthopterans to your hymenopterans, for example. Clearly. Right. Your locusts (laughs) to your four-wing flies. Gotcha. And you you can see it. Chuck, do you ever collect anything? I collect dung beetles. Um, (laughs) Do you really? Because it would be pretty cool if you did. It would be pretty cool because, quite frankly, they're so varied. And uh, it really depends upon where they live. When you speak of dung, you have to use in a British accent. Uh, Yes, as a matter of fact, I collect (laughs) dung beetles. There you go. Uh, People don't know, but some dung beetles. I think you're pulling our metal tarsal. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, uh, I I did I, collect things as a kid. I didn't collect Jack no? as a kid. No. You know what's funny? I still... Okay, I'm ashamed to say what I collect right now, but it's hotel key cards. Don't ask me. Let's not go into it. Really? That's what I collect right now. Okay, when I was older, I started collecting keys. Really? Yeah, I have a key ring that has maybe 500 keys on it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I stopped. I said, why the hell am I doing this? And I just stopped. That's just one morning open I woke every up. Door. <laughs> open every door you encounter. So, Bill, Darwin was a big collector. He came up with... Evolution by natural selection. Could you give us like a three-minute exposition of Darwin's theory of evolution? The big idea is that uh, living things make more of themselves than can survive. Okay. Troubling, troubling realization. But All right. left to their own, dandelions would take over the world. Left to their own. That's why there's so many acorns on the ground under exactly, an acorn tree. Exactly. That's why there's so many sperm. Right. Yes. Half a billion last yes. I counted. Yeah. Uh, wow, that would take you all afternoon. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I estimated. <laughs> so uh, that fundamental idea. That Damn you, it, I lost count. So you end up start again, starting over. Go ahead. Uh, well, that, I mean, and you can't really tag them. Not, I mean, there's probably a. But you stay there. You, don't you mess it up my count. Technique. But the thing is, uh, species make more of themselves than can survive, so they compete uh, for places and ecosystems. And then they compete within their own species. That's sexual selection. And then here we all are. Now, uh, 
along this line, people the consequ- the conclusion that Darwin reached, and I think many naturalists reach naturally, is that uh, we are all to have a common ancestor. We're all descended from the same thing, right? Whatever that thing is, and people throw out the word single-celled organism, archaea, with something like this. But uh, there's no evidence on Earth so far that there's any other way to do it except with DNA. So uh, this, the thing that is fascinating is Charles Darwin wrote this book where he has the theory and the experiments. He was quite a diligent experimental in one volume. And he didn't know about DNA. Yes. He didn't know about genes as such, genetics. He didn't know what we think of as genes. He didn't know chromosomes, really. He just was like jamming, looking at his collections and reaching amazing conclusions, world-changing conclusions. Got to respect that. Which and, have since been confirmed oh, via man, every DNA. Which way. And every which way. Chromosomes oh, yeah. and genes and so forth. Oh, yeah. So we're all connected. That's right. Yes. We are the world. <laughs> yeah, well, there's we a lot to that. We are the children. And speaking of which, talking some more about me. We are the I have a chapter in here about race. Here is Undeniable, the book. Yes. The book. Yes. I have a chapter in here about race. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you, you can run this experiment, I don't think we should do it right now during the show. Mm, is that because you are outnumbered? No, because <laughs> no, no, so we can easily <laughs> because we can easily outrun you. That's what that is. No, Actually, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, <clears throat> no, no. You can try this. A guy from Africa mm-hmm. could interact. Can we say interact? With a woman from Japan. Right. And all you're going to get is a human. You're not going to get anything, anything else. Anything else. I'm sorry. Nothing people. else. That's all you're going to get. Right. And I know we all love our doggies. That was very Miss Saigon there, you know, the man from the West and the woman from the East. Well, there's a guy who became the most powerful, influential man on earth who was a product of that sort of thing. Somebody uh, from East Africa and somebody from Kansas. So true. Right? Yes. Uh, Kansas, who was no doubt from European, Northern European descent, where they got so far north, migrated from Africa so far north, they had to get the skin light enough to get enough vitamin D or they're... They ain't going to make it, They would have perished. That's right. Yes. We're all playing the hand we're dealt. We're all alike. And that man went on to become our first Kenyan president. (laughs) (laughs) And with all that said, seriously, it is a deep evolutionary lesson that there is no such thing as race. Sweet. There's tribes, but not races. All right. So what do you say? People say, well, if we're descended from apes, how come they're still around? Oh, no, no. Uh, You're descended from an ancestor before apes. And uh, why wouldn't the apes still be around? Right. You don't have to get rid of the apes when you go, why wouldn't a 1955 Chevy be available at an auction even though you're making 2016 Chevys? Right. So now then, Not a perfect analogy. <laughs> evolution of Why cars. would they go away? So, so when you speak to that, this common ancestor, this is where people want to know. Like, who, what was that common ancestor? So they're, they're become, that's, that's where everybody gets all caught up. So but, you're... but there are naysayers. There are naysayers, of course, evolution and <laughs> creationism. Say. Okay. Now, Attenborough gets hate mail from creationists. I'm going to tell you. Because he, he, he's, he's Mr. Evolution Man. So let's, let's get a sample of some and see what, what he says there. Do you have creationists running after you saying, are you embracing yeah. God's creation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Religious but I mean, people? if people think that the first woman was made by God putting Adam in a trance and then taking a rib from a side, if you believe that, there's no argument. I mean, because you can't argue with right. people. There's no place that. to go from there's there. No, no, there's no rational argument. Often also people single out the most beautiful things in nature for getting the most... Yes, exactly so. They don't think about malarial parasite or the worm in the eye of a boy sitting on the bank of an African river that's boring its way through a little boy's eyeball and turning blind. And if you believe God created every species individually, you have to believe that God deliberately put that on ground, which is not uh, compatible with what I understand about the Christian God. Not a state of benevolence. I I didn't know about that worm. Yes. And you know what? I'm I'm keeping an eye out for it. I'm telling you. You know, there was a, in the mo- in the get movie it? an eye out. Get it? <laughs> I didn't get it at that moment. Thanks I could tell. I'm just, ladies and gentlemen, sitting with these Chuck's two joke you know, needed help on that one. Okay. Like, ball went right Sorry, I was too slow so on that one. One of the things too. to appreciate about parasites is they are apparently the best reason to have sex. 
Well, I'm not joking you, and this is called the theory. Because we jump. needed more reasons to have sex. Oh, okay. Than I thought what he was existed. talking about gold diggers. I'm okay. so sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, you, uh, right. No. So one of the old questions in biology, if you will, I say evolution of biology, is why do you have sex? And apparently it's to get a new mix of genes so modern, so different from the previous set that right. germs and parasites can't quite keep up. Exactly. And you stay just a little ahead. Why don't you just divide yourself in half like any self-respecting bacteria? Amoeba. Yes, and just move on. No, we're all complicated with all this sports cars and high heels and all this Otherwise, stuff. one virus could take us all out. And it may. Do, do, it do, still do, may, do, 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 do. but it surely would have by now. Right before it bores through our eyeball. That's <laughs> well, creepy, isn't it? But so okay, so Bill, you debated a creationist, Ken Ham, the Ham on Nye debate. Uh, is that uh, other, uh, you know, the science community, you, there were mixed reviews oh, about yes. whether you yes. should have done that at all. Yes. How did you deal with that? Well, I did my best. This is to say... Insufficient answer. Uh, so this is to say the downside is when you do something like that, it energizes his base. The upside is it the creationist base. Yeah, and he gets more money from rich people apparently in coal country, mm -hmm. but uh, but also a lot of just regular donors. With that said, it also raised awareness of his activities, and those guys may have crossed a line that will be their undoing. It's an interesting thing, and it would not have been noticed maybe, uh, not to take credit where it's not due. But you cannot apply for a job at his new facility, the Ark Park. If you are uh, homosexual, you cannot apply for a job without testifying to your Christian belief. You can apparently do that if you're the Hobby Lobby company or something, but you cannot do that if you're going to take tax dollars from the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So this is a this is a museum, a creation. The word museum. museum. There's no artifacts there. They're okay. all things built by okay. the museum so people. A theme park. Theme park. It's theme a theme park, park yeah. with a roof. Okay, so now more people know about this. And so I think that uh, voters in Commonwealth of Kentucky may rise up and not tolerate this but are you uh, getting, constitutional are you, thing. Are you getting mail as well, hate mail? Or? Uh, I get uh, – you read stuff, hate, hate blogs. Hate blogs. But this, these, are, these are not people, as David Attenborough remarked, they're not people you're going to reason with. Comes with the turf. Yeah. Well, a Gallup poll in 2014 said 42% of the United States believes in the creationist view of human origins. All the what, more reason to write a book. So what does that say for the future of America? We are We're doomed. <laughs> We're working on it. The We're longest journey doomed. starts with a single step. Oh, well, they're all going to heaven on a doomed country. It's the fundamental idea in all of life science. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about the observable feature of nature. When we come back, more of my interview with Chad Barrow. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5-gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. Star Talk Radio. We're back. Neil Tyson here. Neil deGrasse Tyson, that is, with Chuck Nice, Bill Nye. So good to be here. Thank you. We got Sir David Attenborough on the line. Yes, we did. Yeah, I got an interview with him when he came through New York, gave a public talk, and I snared him. A compelling one. Indeed. There is nothing he doesn't do that isn't compelling. How's that manner. for three negatives coming out with a... <laughs> <laughs> minus one cubed is minus one. It's brilliant. There you go. So in that interview, we talked about life, we talked about the environment, and I got some clips of him just going on about just our climate and what's what's going on there and and what is our relationship with earth bill you've done some thinking about this a great deal let's find out what he says and then let's pick it up and see where we can take it at some point you must have in a life in this work you sit down and sort of digest it all and then offer wisdom for humans 
I, I would have thought that you start doing that. I mean, if you're interested in the natural world, you start learning it as soon as you're knee-high to a grasshopper. And you go through life that way. Because it's changing. You know, when I was a student, nobody knew anything about DNA. Right. Nobody knew anything. The continent shifted across the surface of the globe. The changes in our understanding of the working of the life on Earth has changed beyond recognition in my lifetime. Yeah, but the wisdom, not simply about how to think about life on Earth, but how to think about humans and their relationship to life on Earth. I mean, in the 2000s, you had a series of shows that talked about humans and our relationship to nature. Well, I've done programs about what we're doing to the natural world, that's for sure. We're giving it a very, very bad time. And uh, we're not careful, we'll get a comeback. Already getting a comeback. A bad comeback. Sure. I mean, yeah, extreme yeah. weather. Yes, the new normal. Acidification of the oceans. Yeah, the new normal is extreme weather. Yeah. Indeed so. I mean, it's easy enough to understand why. Anybody who's boiled a saucepan of water knows that, or cooked, knows that if you heat something up, you increase the reaction and, you, and things mm-hmm. start cooking. We have heated up the earth since the Industrial Revolution, and we're now getting the consequences. What do you tell people to do? I mean, I think that the general (laughs) attitude should be that we shouldn't waste the bounty of the earth. That's the main thing. You know, the waste that we uh, inflict on the earth is just dreadful. Especially Americans, of course. Well, yeah, and us too. And and what we do with plastic. I got a film the other day of albatross, a nesting albatross that had just circled the Antarctic Ocean, the Antarctic continent, collecting food for its young, and flew all the way back, turned up after 10 days, and fed this nestling that was toweling Antarctic girl, regurgitating stuff from its crop, everything, everything that it put in that chick's mouth was plastic. Antarctica. Yeah, well, but that happens everywhere. I mean, all over the Pacific. Birds that are collecting food from the surface are taking back food and they're giving it to the chick. And it's plastic, and it'll be there forever. Yeah, the environment doesn't know how to dissolve the plastic. It had never seen it before. We said, it's wonderful we were into this new compound that is indestructible. <laughs> Can you think? And nobody said... Oi, if we're going to keep on doing that, what's going to happen to it? If it's indestructible, it never leaves nature. Isn't that extraordinary? Ever, yeah. No one thought that through. No one thought that through. Bill, you cl- I know separately, because your book is on evolution, I know separately that you're a big climate change guy. Yes, and uh, by the way, there is convergence, intersection between those who claim the Earth is 6,000 years old and those who... Deny, deny climate, climate change. change. There is. Yeah, Ken Ham is explicit that the Earth is getting cooler. It's not warming. He's just wrong. I mean, and it wouldn't matter except... So in the Venn diagram, these two are over, uh, man, strongly overlapping. A, a sharpie, a black Sharpie, where they intersect. You can mm-hmm. see it from across the room, right. the intersection. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, isn't it, it's probably because there is, uh, even if, let's say, the Earth was heating up and we are all headed towards imminent disaster... It does make a difference. No, imminent. Uh, imminent. I thought you said imminent. No, imminent okay. disaster, mm-hmm. as in very soon coming with great urgency. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, it does not make a difference because one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So who cares about this place? Yeah. So so what do we do about that, Bill? Well, the longest journey starts with a bit of single step. So people listen to this show, for example, right? These are scientifically literate people. People want to know more about science. I strongly believe that in the next few years we're going to reach a tipping point, but it is going to be, as we say in sailboat racing, a near-run thing. I say that all the time when I race my sailboat. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a close call. Because that, that makes it so much clearer to me what you're saying. It's going to be a close <laughs> call. A near-run thing. It's not, going right. to be, it's not clear who's going to get to the buoy first. Right. The climate change right. that undoes so many of our urban populations and causes enormous upheaval, mm-hmm. or the scientifically literate populace that is emerging with an enthusiasm for scientific truth and understanding the world oh. by critical thinking. So it's the rate will, at which people are learning... Versus the rate at which people are denied. Are, are denied. denied. Yeah. See, here's the only problem with that, and I think you're absolutely right. The problem with that is as we continue down this road, which there is also a tipping point where things become irreversible and damage becomes extremely catastrophic, you know. Um, not somewhat catastrophic. Not somewhat. Extremely, <laughs> extremely ca- catastrophic, <laughs> which is a term that I'm trying to get no, people I'm, to understand. You're over-exaggerating about everything. Right. I'm with you. You yes. understand me? So here's the problem. Those, let's say we reach the catastrophe. Those that believe in denial, 
will find another way to deny. It won't be because well, of climate change. And so when I say it's a close call, uh, I mean, we could lose. I mean, the humankind could really be in huge trouble, uh, not just the coastal populations in the developing world, but mm. everybody could be in trouble. So this is why uh, it's a race. This is why we do what we do to try to, dare I say it, change the world. Wait, when is that book coming out? Uh, next year. Next year, okay. Yeah, this will be a book about climate change and uh, how we're going to address it. And we're going to name it, again, Undeniable. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'm not joking, you guys. The, the title that's being pitched to me is Unsustainable. I'm not even oh, joking. Okay, okay, I'm not okay. Even joking. It's going to be the series of unbooks. Well, undeniable, understable, unremarkable. Uh, you know, <laughs> so what we could do, everybody, do we want to talk about this specific thing, or do we have more David Attenborough to include? Oh, no, we totally have some more David Attenborough. So, I mean, uh because there is a specific thing that I'd like to address, and the model for the specific thing is economic, and it's from the Arctic. Hmm. Well, let's find out. Can you, if you can put a pin in that, Bill? The pin is in it. The, the pin, pin, the pin, pin it, is in it. Is in it. Let's find out what David Attenborough thinks about the future. Are you hopeful about our future as humans on Earth? I think our grandchildren, looking back, saying those blokes back there, at the beginning of the twentieth century, thirty-first century, had it good. Much better than we've got it now, I think they'll say. So you're not hopeful about the future? No, I think it's going. I think things are going to get worse or less comfortable. Uh, they get more comfortable for some people. Some people who haven't got it pretty good now. I mean, they will either disappear from that part of the world, or else their, their living standards will be increased a bit. Uh -huh. But by and large, I mean, the people who are living high on the hog, which is you and me, right. our equivalents won't be quite so high. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a reality check on the excesses of, yeah. of modern life. All right, so he he thinks we're that's it. <laughs> you know what's funny is that every scientist you talk to, I don't care what their particular concentration, if they know anything about science, they're not hopeful. No one says, you know what, it's going to be great. You know, I mean, people need to wake up and realize that every single scientific mind in the world basically says, hey, you know what. We might be in trouble. Bill, are you hopeful? Because you're, you're our last hope here. <laughs> well, I'm op always optimistic. If you're not optimistic, you're not going to take action and get things done. But I say it's going to be a close call, and this is not an extraordinary claim. It's going to be uh, a, a, a tough nut to crack. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is have a fee for carbon, carbon dioxide production, and then we will return the fee to the people. Power to the people. Because so I didn't know Bill was a communist. Man. <laughs> well, this Had I known that before I invited him on the show. But here's the trouble. <laughs> I can hear Ted Cruz right now. Okay. So, Ted, Ted, here's the trouble. Where's the model for this? Collect using um, wealth from the public and redistributing it to the people. Well, I don't know. Don't they call that socialism? Yeah. And where is it in the United States? Alaska. Alaska. Oh, yeah. Has the Alaska... They have a reverse income tax. That's, that, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Okay, so the state, that is not the, known The for... state makes money. My wife came from Alaska. Oh, that's, my, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so She's every so family gets... It's like $1,000 per... I don't know what it is this now. This year, but, it's 1800 Yeah, in her day, it was $1,000 per member of the family, which also meant you might want to have more babies. But it's per year. And this is the... It's called... A, it's a tax... Um, a, a negative tax rate for their oil uh, profits Alaska that they made. production fund, mm -hmm. yes. Okay. So we could do this, and this would provide economic ex incentives, which I think is the key to getting her done. To so, keep it in the capitalist motivated. Well, not just that. So people who make a lot of carbon dioxide, these would be rich people who live high on the hog, as David Attenberg described it, where the meat is strong and properly marbled. And then... Uh, the middle class would get the money back. Oil companies, fossil fuel companies already have this built in. They're anticipating a $40 a ton surcharge mm. that's in their economic modeling. It's cool. We could, if we did this, and then the countries that don't produce carbon <laughs> as much carbon dioxide would have a, a, a tariff or a fee on the goods that were, that were being imported that had a high carbon output. This is a solve. This is not everything's going to be fine. It is part of the solution. So, Bill, for president's economic advisor, that's what you're... Well, yeah. this is not an extraordinary claim, and it's not really my no, idea. it makes but, sense. You're but i got to say, it's from a libertarian point of view. 
strangely enough. Well, we got to end the show on some kind of nice note. Okay. Just cause I don't want to send people away crying. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> no, let's get her done. <laughs> no, thank sir, sir. Uh, so, Mr. Attenborough, I, I had to ask him, what are a few of your favorite things? Mm. Let, let's let's see where that goes. Okay. So, what's your favorite plant? No, I don't have one. You don't have one. You like them all. Well, Venus flytrap. I mean, yeah, okay. uh, sure, I've got a Venus flytrap on my desk. You have you have one on your desk. Sure, sure. Uh, don't you? <laughs> I'd, I'd love to have one on well, my it's desk. Easy enough. You can buy them in normal stores. <laughs> okay, Venus flytrap, and uh, well, that's your what you do. I don't think of Venus. I, I could think. I well, I could think of something else. Um, a passion flower. Okay, your favorite fungus. <laughs> Uh, that one red with the red cap with white spots on. Do you know that one? Uh, no. Yeah, no. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Show that in, in, that's, in cartoons, actually. Yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. That's what uh, Snow White was. Uh, yes, of course. on them all the time. Well, you remember? I remember that. Right. What's the oddest animal? Oddest well, animal that you've seen? Well, there's a, there's a nice little creature that only lives in crocodiles' tears. That's interesting. That's pretty odd. Wow. Yeah, right, that wins. Uh, the ugliest animal? Oh, I'm trying to keep it quiet. <laughs> Uh, she'd be very upset. <laughs> so, out of respect for the animals, you don't want to. I, ugliest. I think some of those internal parasites are pretty horrible. Yeah, plus what they do and how they work. Yeah, yeah and where yeah. they live. How about uh, your favorite animal? If you really wanted to know what animal made me make tears come to my eyes, that's the animal uh, I want to know. Yeah, okay, a six-month-old human baby. <sighs> oh, that's a good answer. There it is. Wow, look at that. Sir Some David Attenborough. And you know what? I, I was really expecting him to say, like, raindrops on roses or whiskers on kittens <laughs> and didn't get any of that. Uh, these so. are a few of my favorite things when I'm a naturalist. <laughs> you both have have had six-month-old babies. Yes. But they always, they move away from that. Chuck is a baby-making machine. Chuck, how many babies you, and how many children you have? Um, I'm, see, he had to think. See that? Yeah. It didn't just come right off his mouth. He said, uh, let me count. I'm like the old dirty bastard of Star Talk Radio. I have a no. I only have three, and okay. uh, I have to tell you, uh, each one of them, thank God, has made it past the six month mark, and I couldn't stand them as people when they were there. I despise babies. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, all, you want to birth them as full grown adults? Oh God, that would be so <laughs> awesome. That's really hard. Okay, so you'll never be as popular as David Attenborough never. because you don't like babies. Okay, if you're a politician, you'd, what would you do to the baby that was brought up to your mouth? I, um, believe it or not, I would uh, kind of turn my head and go, that's a nice baby, and give it right <laughs> okay. back. Wow. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio. <laughs> Chuck Nice, thanks for being on. As always, uh, Sir William Nye, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on Star Talk Radio. Oh, uh, no, it is we who must thank you, no. Dr. Tyson. <laughs> We are supported in part by a grant from the Sloan Foundation. Very cool. Thanks. And we that. encourage our listeners to, to keep looking up. <laughs>